The title of the message today is Living Out Radical Love. Living Out Radical Love. Now, you know we've been talking on faith. That's what we've been talking on. That we need more faith. We really do. And so, as we are thinking about this subject, faith, why we need faith, one of the reasons is that we live in a world system that is going downstream. And if we just be our natural selves, and if we don't uh, press towards God, we'll be taken right downstream with the rest of the world, and it's not going to be a good thing. We have to use our faith to fight against the world system because the world system is against God. It really is. Um, the prince of the power of the air is the prince of the world system, and he's not making a world system so that uh, we can enjoy Christianity and just believe God for things. He's not doing that. Also, we do have a flesh, and there's no good thing in the flesh, so it's, it's, it's another reason why we need faith is that we have to fight against this flesh. We have to also fight against the principalities of the powers of the air, the rules of darkness, spiritual wisdom, heavenly places, Satan. We have to fight against the devil because he is against God. He's against God. So we have to have faith to do that. Now we said that faith is actually trusting in God. That's the foundation. That's the root. Trusting in God, who he is. And therefore, we can trust in his word, what he said. Now, let's review in, uh, let's turn to Isaiah 43, verse 7, which is our, of course, goal for the year, that everything we do, we need to do for the glory of God. Everything we say, we need to say for the glory of God. In verse 1, I'll start there, rather than verse 7, I'll start in verse 1. But now, thus says the Lord, the creator, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name, you are mine. Now, we know the backdrop of what Isaiah's talking about. Isaiah's talking to Israel as if Israel was a person, the son of God, rather than the whole nation of people. Listen to what he says. But of course, you know it goes for us too. We're the spiritual Israel. We are one now because of the blood of Jesus Christ. When you pass through the waters, you will, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they will not overflow you. When you walk through fire, you will not be scorched, nor will the flame burn you. For I am the Lord, your God. That's a good word, isn't it? Since you are precious in my sight, it says in verse 4, since you are honored and I love you, 
I will give other men in your place and other peoples in exchange for your life. Do not fear, for I am with you. I will bring your offspring from the east and gather you from the west. So he's going to bring all the Israelites back from captivity where they've been scattered. He says in uh, verse 7, Everyone who is called by my name, whom I have created for my glory. So if you wonder, why do I exist? Why am I here? What's my purpose? That tells you what, what God's purpose is for you. There should be no teen in this room, no person in this room, wondering why you exist. You exist to bring glory to God. That's why you exist. He created you for his glory. He says, whom I have formed, even whom I have made. In verse 10, it says, you are my witnesses, declared the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, in order that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me, there is no God formed. And there will be none after me. (laughs) That is good. I, even I, am the Lord. And there is no Savior besides me. So if you're looking for somebody to save you, if you're looking for somebody to deliver you, if you're looking for somebody to bring you out of this, bring you out of that, there is no other deliverer except Jesus Christ. It is I who have declared and saved and proclaimed And there is no strange God among you, so you are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and I am God. Even from eternity, I am he, and there is none who can deliver out of my hand. I act, and who can reverse it? Verse 21, the people whom I have formed for myself. Why are you formed? Okay, for the Lord. And why are we formed? To declare his glory. And he says, formed for myself, will declare my praise. So not only will we glorify him, but we will declare his praise. Those are some good words. Those are some good words. Now, as we think about those words that he said to Israel, we have a better covenant. The new covenant. We have a better covenant ratified by the blood of Jesus Christ. And so as we look at the word faith as trusting in God, we can see why our trust must be, our faith must be, our trust must be rooted in who he is. When someone tells you that there is no other deliverer but me, I am God, there is none before me, none after me, who else are you going to put your trust in? Nobody. Nobody. It's none other. You can't put it in money. You can't put it in things. You can't put it in people. You can't put it in nobody. It's God. Now, that word faith is active. It's active. It's not something passive. It's like the three words that's found in uh, 1 Corinthians 13, 13, now by faith hope, and love, these three. And the greatest of these is love. 
Jesus said. Now, they are active words. They're not passive words. Just because someone says, I love you, what does that mean? If you do nothing to show your love, what is that? And when we say, I love you, God, he says, what is that? He said, he doesn't say that. That's not scripture. Well, that's just what I say, you know. But um, it's based on scripture. Because scripture says that if you love me, keep my commandments. So we say, I love you. What is that to him? If he says that if you love me, keep my commandments. So if, you, if you're not going to do anything, <laughs> come on. He said, I don't have to do anything. Okay, don't. Don't. If it says if you confess with your mouth, Lord Jesus Christ, and believe in your heart that he's raised from the dead, you shall be saved, don't do it. Don't do it. And see whether you'll be saved. You better do something. If he says do it, you do it, right? Now, we know that it's only because of his grace that you're able to do it. We know that. We know that, that, that we can do nothing apart from him. We know that. Do you understand what I'm saying? Um, theologically, you understand that it's none of us. It's all of him. We know that. But he does give us will, doesn't he? And so when he acts upon that will and, and imparts faith to us, believe in faith, then you will believe. So it's none of us and all of him, but yet we have to do something, but it's him who gives us the ability to do. Can you say amen to that? Now, faith is active, just like love is active. You know that from two years ago, probably when we were in James, in James chapter what tells us about that? Chapter 2, okay, good, I'm glad you got it, you got it. James chapter 2, it tells us about faith, doesn't it? What does it tell us about faith? It tells us in verse 14 in chapter 2 of James, what use is it, my brother, if someone says he has faith, or let's put it, he has trust in God, but he has no works. Can that faith save him? Those are rhetorical questions, which the answer, of course, is, If a brother or sister is without clothing and in need of daily food, and one of you say to them, go in peace, be warmed, and be filled, and yet you do not give them the necessary uh, things that they need for their body, what use is it? That's another example. It's not useful at all if you're not going to do anything. So faith or trusting God, if it has no works, it is dead, being by itself. In other words... We know that we can't be saved by works. We know theologically that. I don't have to teach the same message over and over again. We know theologically what we believe. But it says here that if faith is by itself, it's nothing really. It's not going to do anything. It has to have something that is along with it. you got to have something that's going to uh, let people know that this is trusting in God. Because people want to see people trusting in God. 
When you take the gospel, the good news, you're taking something. Whether it's words, whether it's acts, you're taking something to tell them the good news about Jesus Christ. They're looking for something. In the world, they, they're not going to find it in the world. It says that, but someone may well say, you have faith and I have works. But show me your faith without works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one? You do well. The demons also believe and shudder. But you, are you willing to recognize, O oh foolish fellow, that faith without works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up Isaac, his son, on the altar? That's an Old Testament story. You see that faith was working with his works. So he trusted in God, so therefore he believed that God was going to raise Isaac from the dead, so therefore he said, I will sacrifice my son. Because God is the one who told me that, that through Isaac is going to come a multitude of descendants. So therefore, I believe and I trust God. Verse 23, and the scripture was fulfilled, which says Abraham believed God. Do we believe God? And it was reckoned to him as righteousness, and he was called a friend of God. You see, a man is justified by works and not by faith alone. So trusting in God has to have something working with it. Just as the spirit is dead without the body, so faith without works is dead. So now we have established, again, that we got to have something with our faith now. We have to have something with it. Now let's go to uh, Hebrews. That's where we're going to camp out at, Hebrews. And in Hebrews uh, chapter 11, that's the classic uh, faith chapter that most people probably thought I was going to go to at first when we started teaching three messages ago. And um, our elder Chad so eloquently spoke on uh, these verses. I'm going to just throw a little something in here. In verse 11, I mean chapter 11, verse 1, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. And the King James Version said, well, faith is the evidence of things hoped for and the what? Faith is a what? Of things hoped for and evidence of things not seen. Right? Okay, now, that's the King James Version. And my version reads a little different. Let's go from here, and let's go and see why this is here. That's where we want to camp it today. Why is this here? Because I believe that sometimes we use verses, and we use scripture, uh, we use uh, parts of the Bible, and we don't have a clue of why it's there. And therefore, we are saying things, and we're wondering, why is this not happening? What is going on here? I've, I've you know, confessed the word of God. I believe what it says right here. And so, therefore, I'm doing what it says, and, and, and why does it happen? Sometimes we are not understanding what we are using, so, therefore, we haven't even met the, uh, you know, the, the prerequisites for this verse, so, therefore, we're operating not in wisdom sometimes, which we say that we need. It'll increase your faith, knowledge will. Why is it here? 
Let's go back to chapter 10. Let's see. Let's look at um, verse 19. Let's go from there and come up. Therefore, brethren, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he inaugurated for us through the veil that is his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, speaking of Jesus, let us draw near with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith. Let us draw near now with sincere heart and full assurance. Remember that word, full assurance of faith, of trusting in God, in other words. Having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold fast our confession of hope. Remember that word, hope. Full assurance, hope. Without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. What is our faith based on? What is it rooted in? Okay, what God has said, his word says, his promises. What is, if I tell you something, would that root your faith? Well, why, why won't it root my faith? If you say it's based on words, I'm giving you some words. I give you plenty of words. You know? Okay, the word of God. So, so the, so the word of, my word doesn't mean as much as the word of God. That's what you're saying, right? Which is true. Okay, why is it? Because I'm not God. So now we have to change something in. Okay, our faith now is rooted in God, then who God is, and not just his word. Because if, if, if God were not God, then his word wouldn't be what you'd be standing on. So therefore, your faith has to be in who God is. That's what I'm trying to, that's what I, I told you in the first message. It has to be rooted on who God is. Okay. You remember the first lesson on faith? That was the first lesson. Who is God? I read some of that to you today, didn't I? Okay. There's no other deliverer besides him. So when you start finding this out, when you start finding there's a heaven and a hell, there is a lake of fire and brimstone, and that if we have not accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we will be in the lake of fire with Satan and his demons and, and, and the fallen angels. We're going to be there. That changes things. That means God has the power to do that. He has the power to put Satan in chains and lock him up for a season. He, won't, he can't move, can't do anything. You say, whoa, he must be tough. He is. So now, when he says something, I say, whoa, okay, I believe that. When you know that he created all things, when you know that he's the one who said that earth, uh, where it is, and make the seasons and all that time, he's the one who says waves and, and sea, and don't you go anywhere, you look on the globe, and, and most of the globe, most of the world is covered with water, and you say, well, why doesn't it just whoop, cover all the earth? Because he won't let it cut all the earth. He, he said that it, won't, it, won't, it will not go but this far. That's all the force is going to go. You said, man, he put all the stars in existence, and man is still, if they can find more apparatus to see further, they'll see more. Because God has put more in existence. 
He said, light being is still being. So therefore, this is God. So my faith is rooted in God. That's where my faith is rooted. And so if I find out when God says something, because that's why I want to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit is God, so if the Holy Spirit speaks, it might not be exactly in the word, but it won't disagree with the word. It's going to agree with the word. But he can, he can tell you something, and it's not scripture, but it, the scripture will back it up. You understand what I'm saying? That's still, you got to be, that's God speaking to you. You got to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Our faith has to be rooted in God. So let's go back where we start, left off. And let us consider, verse 24, how to stimulate that, that word stimulate in King James probably said provoke one another to love and, and to good deeds. And that means that we don't need to let people just wallow around in their sin. Is that correct? He's talking to Christians. We don't need to do that now. We need to stimulate people to love and good deeds. There must be works that follow the, the deeds now. You got to do that. So I was telling a person um, in, in the past that in this church, we don't let you just sit, and that's all you do. You come in, you sit, you leave, and nobody messes with you. You can come in here in a way and leave the same way. That really doesn't matter. Somebody going to get involved in your life. Somebody's going to get involved in your life. Somebody's going to get to know you. Somebody's going to reach out to you and say, hello, how are you? My name is Sue. You, your name? My name is Johnny. Okay, fine. You know, somebody's going to find out where you're from. Somebody's going to find out all these things. Somebody's going to get with you. Somebody's going to get close to you because somebody's going to be praying for you. Uh, we are serious about fellowshipping one another because of the fellowship is with the Lord. We're serious about discipleship because we're supposed to go in all the earth and make disciples. We're serious about accountability because we need to stir one another love and good deeds. You cannot stir somebody if you don't know somebody, if they don't trust you, because then you're meddling in their business, and people don't want you meddling in their business. So if you don't, you don't get to know anybody, nobody's going to tell you anything, yeah. except fine. How you doing? Fine. All right. Yeah. You sure? Yes, I'm doing fine. Leave me alone. You know? But if they know that you're serious and, and that, you know, uh, uh, you're just trying to be a blessing to them, then they will let you know uh, some prayer requests they may have, but you've got to get to know them. That's the type of church we have. Everybody's not for people. people some people, it's not, not going to be good for them because they don't want you meddling in their business. Some people don't want you uh, asking them questions. This won't be the church for you because somebody's going to ask you a question. Okay? Seriously. Somebody's going to ask you a question. We're serious about our teens. We're serious about the children. We're serious about adults. We're serious about uh, our super 60s. We're serious. You know? I don't know who they are, but we, we're serious about them. <laughs> yeah, we are. It says, verse 25, not forsaking our own assembling together as the habit of some. That was going on back then now, the habit of some. You know, they want to sleep in on the Lord's day. Yeah. No, there's no sleeping in on the Lord's day. 
You know, you better be grateful that the Lord, you know, has given you uh, the ability to get up. Get up and, and glorify him in the body. Because the body is very important. Do you know that? What you have need of, the answer to your prayer, might be given to you in church with somebody else in the body. And, and really, I just have a habit of coming. I don't care. I don't, this, that's what I've been doing ever since I came. Ever since Ms. Dorsey invited me, I've been here. Every day, unless I've been sick, on vacation, I'm here. That's it. And I don't get sick much. So I'm here. And so that's what, because that's the habit. Because I read in the Bible this verse, and I also saw the example of Jesus. His habit was going to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and as his habit was. Paul did the same thing. I said, well, if it's good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for Paul. It's sure enough good enough for me, isn't it? Yeah. Verse 26. For if we go on sinning willfully after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there is no longer remain a sacrifice for sins, but a terrifying expectation of judgment and the fear of the fire which will consume the adversaries. Anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much severe punishment do you think will be um, you, he will deserve who is trampled under the foot of the Son of God and has regarded as unclean the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and has insulted the spirit of grace? For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God. But remember the former days when after being enlightened, you endured a great conflict of suffering. Okay? Now, after being enlightened, what are they talking about? Now, after being enlightened, they found out about Jesus Christ the only truth, uh, way, he's the way, he's the truth, he's the life. They found out about that. They've been enlightened. And so um, they start doing good deeds, helping people. But then they start enduring a great conflict of suffering. Partly by being made a public spectacle through reproaches and tribulations and partly by becoming sharers with those who were so treated. So then this time in Hebrews, uh, the author was trying to give encouragement to the body because they were going through persecution. They were going through tribulation. They were going through problems. Are we still going through problems? Yes, we are. We're not going through problems like some people are going through in other nations, but we're going through problems. For you show sympathy to the prisoners and accepted joyfully the seizure of your property, knowing that you have for yourselves a better possession and a lasting one. Now, he's not talking about going down to the regional jail, you know, and just visiting the, the murderers and, you know, the thieves and all like that. He's not talking about that. He's talking about actually people uh, going to jail for their faith. And when you start saying in some, some uh, circles that you're a Christian, you might go to jail. 
This is the, one of the ministries that we give to every month. It's called The Voice of the Martyrs. Um, many of you know about it. They send a magazine every month. This happened to be October 2003. We've been giving to them a long time. And I was reading an article in here. It was about, about this um, Iranian girl from Iran. And, and what, what, what was happening here is that she was going through pressure problems. And so she was a college student and also worked. And the pressures of, and she was away from home and, and was homesick and things like that. And, and she was going through all these pressures. So she said, well, what I need to do is pray to Allah and, and, you know, get some pressure taken off me. But no pressure was relieved, and she was mad, and she was saying, look, I'm going to stay up all night. I'm going to call on Allah till he answer me, or Muhammad, somebody going to answer me because I need some relief from this thing here. Yeah, that's what she was doing. Okay. And so it happened, Allah didn't show up, Muhammad didn't show up, and you know they won't come, no, no way. And <laughs> you know, but she didn't know. Um, she's a Muslim. And what happened was that Jesus showed up. And so a light came in her dorm room, and she got afraid and went out of the room. And uh, then she said, wait a minute. I asked for a sign. I wanted a sign or something. I wanted him to show up. And then uh, he showed up. So let me go back in here. So she got up, went back in, got on her prayer cloth and everything. And, and uh, the light got brighter and brighter. It was almost daytime. But it was 12 o'clock at night. And she said, um, what words came to her, some thoughts came to her, she said, and she, she likes to write poems and things, so she had paper and stuff right there. She keeps it with her. And what she heard, she wrote down in her mind. And what it, what it says that, uh, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That's what she wrote down. Okay? And, and so... She said, well, praise God, okay. Uh, wait a minute. This is not Allah. This is not Muhammad. This is Jesus Christ. And she knew it was Jesus somehow. Now, we know that Jesus is he's sovereign. He can do whatever he wants to do with whom he wants to do it with. So he showed her himself. Somehow she knew it was Jesus. And so she was puzzled. She went to work the next day. And one of the coworkers said, hey, uh, you seem to be uh, distraught. What's wrong? She said, well, I'm away from home and, and, and you know, kind of feeling, not bad. I'm feeling bad. He said, well, you know, um, maybe I have some comforting words for you. Let me uh, show you something in this book. So he pulled a little book out, she said, and he said, um, he turned to Matthew and said, um, Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. She where do you get that book from? And it was the exact same words, you see, and it was a Bible. And so he revealed to her that he was a Christian. And so one thing led to another, and she went to uh, church with him and whatnot uh, and uh, got saved. And, of course, you know things didn't get better. You know that, don't you? Uh, because she's in Iran. It didn't get better. It got worse. She got better, but the situation got worse in that, uh, they started um, saying that you can't get a job now uh, because uh, we hear that you're a Christian, and so uh, you, you're not going to get benefits. So the government 
jobs who are sponsored by the government, you, you can't even, they don't even hire Christians. And the ones who, private uh, employers, they will hire, but they wouldn't give you benefits, they won't give you um, insurance or nothing like that. And they would pay, pay you low pay. And so she ended up getting married on her wedding night. Uh, secret police came in, took her and her husband and questioned them. Uh, they had a, a, a child, and the government wouldn't uh, allow the child to, uh, the, the school to uh, pass the child into the elementary school and whatnot. She was in preschool, the little girl, Emmanuel. They got on her about the uh, child's name. Uh, this, is, this is going on. Do you hear what I'm saying? In foreign nations, persecutions. This is what he's talking about in Hebrews. You see? This is going on. He says that, here, let's go back to the, to the word of God. For you show sympathy to the prisoners and accepted joyfully the seizure of your property, knowing that you have for yourselves a better possession and a lasting one. She didn't have the same pressure that she used to have because she had, now the outward circumstances got worse, but the inward circumstances got better because she knew who she served. She knew she, that, that, that her, her look, education, so what? My uh, employment, so what? Is all that's under the, under the blood of Jesus. I'm here, so it doesn't matter. All these things, she said, God is more than able to take care of me. See, we have a peace that the world can't have. We, we might be going through the same thing. There's no temptation taking, taking us, but since, such as common to man. So things will happen to us the same way, but we have an inner peace because we serve the living God. We're not concerned about this life here because this life here is not the life. This is not our home. If you think this is your home, see, you are deceived. This is not your home. We, we are here temporarily for 90, 100 years, or how many of 120, how many of you believe in God for? Uh, but, it, <laughs> but that life will, will end. Do you hear me? It will end. But there is another place. To be absent from the body, to be, to be present with the Lord for eternity. That's our home. That's our home. And so what we can't do, let, let me, let me uh, read that to you uh, in, in, in Revelations uh, chapter 21. It says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. What happened to the old one? <laughs> it's gone. It's going gonna, it's gonna to leave. Do you hear what I'm saying? It's going to leave. This, this earth right here, this present earth, and it, it's gonna, it won't be in existence. And the first earth passed away. And there is no longer any sea. Whew, so the water's gone. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready for the bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he will dwell among them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be among them. Do you know it won't even be a son? It won't be a son. We won't need a son. 
We won't need a moon. Why won't we? Because God, he's, he's going to be our light. Jesus Christ, he's going to be the light. We don't need him. We don't need no sun. So if we are thinking, oh, listen to what it says, verse 4, and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will be no longer any death. There will be no longer any mourning, all crying, all pain. Woo! Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no pain. The first things have passed away. My goodness gracious. And he who sits on the throne says, Behold, I'm making all things new. And says, Write, for these words are faithful and they are true. My goodness. Come on. So in this part here, verse 35, he's saying, Don't throw away your confidence, which has great reward. He's talking about, you know, don't, don't, I know you're going through some things, but don't throw away your confidence in God because your confidence has great reward. We have a, we have a, a, a place that we are going that there's going to be no more tears. There's going to be no more sorrow. There's going to be no more pain. We're going to be with glory. We're going to, oh my goodness gracious, when he said that his glory filled the temple, his glory is going to be everywhere. We, we, my goodness gracious, we don't, I, John, Elder John, where is Elder John? Elder John, you know, so you, so you, you get cold in, 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 a, in, a, in a wintertime. You're cold all the time. You won't be cold, brother. You won't be cold. Won't be in the sun, but you won't be cold. Guaranteed. You don't have, you, we won't have this body. My goodness gracious. We have a, a new one, a different one. My goodness gracious. That's what we're looking for. That's what he's telling the people who are going through persecution here. So whatever you're going through, whatever it is, know that this is just temporary. Just temporary. This life we have is just temporary. And the oldest one uh, here, I think, Miss Harlow, her birthday probably is um, next Sunday. Next Sunday, uh, Father's Day, this is her birthday. And uh, uh, she'll be 80, you know. So I think she's the oldest one in the sanctuary. Is she the oldest? Okay, she's the oldest. Okay, see? Yeah. Oh, Miss Plain going to quickly say that. She's older. <laughs> Praise God. Praise God. You see, and, and she's still doing the books. You know, don't miss a penny. You know, anything missing, she'll find it. Won't she tell us? She'll find it. <laughs> she take class. She says, I want to keep this mind going, man. She's tough. She's tough. But see, sooner or later, Miss Hollow won't be with us later. I won't be with you. You won't be here, you see. But we'll be in glory. <laughs> and so don't worry about what's, what's happening now. What we have to do is just, just say, okay, God, I understand this thing, so I'm not going to throw away my confidence. I'm not going to throw it away because I have a better place to be. You see? Now, what you have to realize now this, when I said living out radical love, in order to live out radical love, it necessitates us being radically free. Do you hear what I'm saying? Radically free. These people were radically free. That's why they could radically love God. Anybody who, <laughs> it says that, um, accepted 
joyfully the seizure of your property. Before the government came and said, your house is not your house now. It's government house. We're taking it. Get out. Well, let me get, no, you don't get nothing. Everything's mine. And when you joyfully say, woo, praise God. It's not mine anyway. It's God's. You know, Jesus wanted to make a place for me, then he go, he says, that he's going to prepare a place play for us, right? So I got a place. It doesn't matter. Seize my property. I'm still going to, you know why I'm taking your property? No, because you're a Christian. That's why I'm taking your property. Praise God. Take it. Take it, you know. Clean it up, too, you know. <laughs> you know, these people, they, they were radically free. See, in America, see, we're not radically free. I'm not. You know, I, I really, man, it really hurt me when, when we sold our first house that, that, um, that we own, uh, we built. Well, we, we, I, man, I, I was sick. Do you hear what I'm saying? This is, this is a home that I always dreamed of. You know what I'm saying? Chandelier in the bathroom. I mean, it was nice, man. Nice. And um, God said, why are you holding on to this thing? I'm proud of this thing, God. Yeah. <laughs> but we let it go. We let it go. God, he wants us to be free, radically free from the things of this world that holds us back. He really, really. We can't live like he wants to live if we're, if we're tied down to the world system. We can't go where he wants us to go if we're tied down to the world system. Is it right? We're concerned about this. We're concerned about that. We, you know, now, you, you know, you have to use wisdom. But when I was over in Uganda, I was trying to remember when it was. It was in the, I think it was around 89. I went over there. And they worked from, most of them worked from morning to night for one meal. They'll sell anything they could, they, they could find to sell to get enough to buy a little something to cook outside because they didn't have inside utilities or anything for one meal. When we came back from the evangelistic field at night, uh, we saw fires. I asked, I asked why are these fires? He said, they're cooking their meal that they work all day for. Because when we were going out in the morning out to the fields, we would see people on the streets walking, walking, a little something in their hand, and would come back and they had fires. They sold something. They said that, it, that the uh, average teacher would make, hear, hear me now, the average teacher would make $30 a month. They say you can live off $30 a month. Be living good. $30 a month. Because they, they had these mud huts. I mean, they didn't have, they didn't have to pay mortgage. You know? They didn't have to pay no rent. No utilities. You know? So, and it, I, mean, we, I was staying in a hotel, and I was upset because the water was rusty. You know, I need somebody to take a bath, man, this hotel, this hell, this hotel. And, and they living out and don't even have water. We have so many conveniences, and we're so tied down that 
if God say it go somewhere, I don't know whether we'll say, yeah, right, that won't God. (laughs) That won't God. I know Satan when I hear him. That was not God. (laughs) And I don't know. We can't go. Come on now. We probably don't want to go, but, you know, we, we couldn't if we wanted to. Can't give like we want to give. We tied down the world system. Come on. Okay. These people were radically free that he was, he was talking to. Paul was radically free. Do you hear what I'm saying? Paul was radically free. He said, well, Paul wasn't radically free. Come on. Here's a man that so radically free, he's, he's preaching the gospel. They stone him, drag him out the city. Disciples get around him. He didn't say anything except they got around him, and he got up. So we know that he, they prayed and whatnot, you know. Um, but but here's, they stone him. They know how to stone people back then now. Now, I, I, now don't. I know what you're thinking. You're saying, well, well you know, um, the rocks didn't hit him, so they drug him out. He, he wasn't dead. He was dead. They know how to stone you. He was dead. And he got up. Now, if it were me, I would have been shooting, gone somewhere besides that city. But Paul was so radically free, he went right back into the city. That man's radically free. It says that in, um, I think it was uh, 2 Corinthians uh, 14, it, it said that he was, um, I think it was 14. Nope, 11. Here's what it said. It said that five times I received from the Jews 39 lashes. Now, you might think, that's not, not a nice, you know, no, 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 you know, <laughs> no, no, no. This is lashes, man. I mean, you, you know, if you weren't dead, you thought you were dead, you know. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have spent in the deep. I have been on frequent journeys in dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my countrymen, dangers from the Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers on the sea, dangers among the brethren. I have been in labor and hardship through many sleepless nights, in hunger and in thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. And apart from such external things, there is the daily pressure on me concerning for, uh, concern for all the churches. Who is weak without my being weak? Hmm. Was he radically free? He's taking the gospel. And I think, I think I am and we are in the church of the living God so comfortable that we would not take the word of God to people, the good news to people, because we're afraid that they might not like it. They might turn us down. We don't want to live radically, you know, radical, live out radical love because people might think we're fanatics. We want to blend in. But this is not 
what the saints were going through that led up to now faith is the substance of those things hoped for, the evidence of those things not seen. That's not what, what, it, what it's all about. So we have to realize that, oh, my goodness, this was there because what is happening here in James, I mean, in, in, in Hebrews here, it says in verse 37, for yet in a very little while he who is coming will come and will not delay. So he's, he's like telling them, don't worry about your situation now because he's coming. He's coming. But the righteous, even before he comes now, while he's, what, he's tarrying, but a righteous one shall live by faith. Again, by trusting in God who he is. And if he shrinks back, my soul is not, don't have any pleasure in him. But, verse 39, we are not of those who shrink back. That's good news, isn't it? To destruction. But those who have faith to the persevering of the soul. Now faith is, see, that's how it went into that, in that, in that chapter, the, the chapter 11. Now faith is, you see. So he's telling them that, that, look, you have need of perseverance here. You have need of people encouraging you. That, Come on, it's okay that what you're going through. It's okay that people don't like you. It's okay that there's a, that's okay. You know, live radically about, for God and make sure you're radically free from the world system and your flesh and everything, because God is coming, and we have a better place. It's worth it, you see, because our faith in God is going to give us a reward because he's faithful. He's coming back for us. He's coming back for us. We're going to be with him forever. This little stuff that we're going through is just temporary. It can't even match the glory that we're going to be facing, you see. And then he goes into chapter 11 and telling us, now faith is, you see, this. Describing it, or like Chad said, you know, define it. It doesn't matter which one you say, it's the same thing. And so, um, so, so you get this description of it. And then it goes into, now these are examples of those who through faith persevered, you see, which we'll do next week. God is good. God is good. God is good. What are you going through today? What are you going through? Who are you trusting in today? Who's your deliverer? Who's your deliverer? Who are you looking to? What system are you looking for? Are you looking to the world system? Are you looking to God's system, the kingdom? When Jesus left, when the wilderness came out, he started preaching the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is at hand. Today, if your trust is in anything else, if your, if your trust is in anybody else except the living God, you have misplaced trust, and it will get you nowhere. It's like the Iranian girl. You can, you can cry the blues. You can do all you want to, but there will be no help. 
because there is only hope in Christ. The world's hope is not hope. It's just wishing. God's hope is a joyful expectation because he's coming. He's coming back. And if he says he's preparing a place for us, you can believe he got it. He has it. If you haven't given your life to Jesus Christ today, now's the day. Now's the day. Wherever you are in your life, he'll meet you today. It's not too late today. Today is the day of salvation. If you would like for me to pray with you for salvation, just raise your hand and put it back down, and, and I will surely pray for you because that's what we do. All the angels will rejoice with that. If today you say, well, I have not been living for God, that, uh, you know, I believe in God, and I gave my life to him one time, but I, I was not living for him, not living for him now, but I want to come back to him. He's never left me, but I want to come back to him. I want to start living my life for him. If that's you today, just raise your hand and put it back down. I'd like to pray for you. Anybody? Anybody like that today? If today is the day you say, you know, I'm not radically free so I cannot really live out radical love, would you pray for me? Would you pray for me? We'd love, love to do that. Could, you, could I have the prayer team to come up? The prayer team, they, they would love to pray with you, for you, for anything. We have people who are traveling today, coming back to Lynchburg, we have people that's traveling, going other places, people on vacations and things like that, pray for people. We have people in the hospital. Um, we want to stay in prayer for people. But we do want to pray for those who you say that I want to live free, radically free. If that's you, raise your hand and say, oh, you know, I want to be more free. I want to be more free than I am. See the hands, good, good. And my hand definitely is up. Father, you saw the hands, and, and we want to do what we said. We want to pray for. Father, you give us grace, because grace is enabling also. Enable us to release our mind, our thoughts, our desires for this world system. Our attachment, our affection for this world system, Lord. Because it, it, it seems even right. I mean, it makes sense to live like we're living. In, in the world system it does. But it's not biblical sense to live that way. Father, I ask and we're asking for more freedom, Lord. More freedom from the things that 
is entangling us, Lord, so we can run the race freer, so we can fight the fight without the weights, without the encumbrances that hold us back, Lord. So we can radically live out the Christian walk because we'll be radically free. So we'll, we can be joyful when we don't have a job. Because we know that you have a job for us. And it's a matter of time before we find it. And if we have to eat two meals a day, we, we're thankful that we have two meals a day. We don't need three in a way. And if we have to eat one a day, then we know that you're not going to allow us to suffer beyond that which we're able. So we can rejoice in those things because we're not tied to this world system. We're tied to a heavenly system and we're going to a heavenly place. And we thank you for it. And we believe that we're going to receive it because it's your word. And your word is based on who you are. You are faithful. And you will do it. In Jesus' name.